You're listening to Coaching for Leaders. This is episode number 64. Today's topic, eight ways to get results by managing up. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to improve themselves so they can better engage and develop others. Whether you're a seasoned leader or leading people for the first time, improving your leadership skills will drive your success, and most importantly, the success of others. This week, we're looking at eight ways to get results by managing up. Well, thank you so much for joining us for the 64th episode of Coaching for Leaders. I feel like I should break into song of that Beatles when I'm 64. Oh, I love that song. I don't think we could probably play it without breaking some sort of copyright laws. But Yeah, and I'm pretty sure people don't want to hear us sing it, even though we sing. Oh, I guess you're breaking right into it. Yeah, why not? Well, my name is Dave Stahoviak, and we are not here to—we're uh, not here to sing to you. I am joined by the amazing Bonnie Stahoviak, who is back to join us by popular demand for another episode. Glad to have you back. Nice to be back. Nice to be back on this topic about managing up. I was thinking about at first that you know managing up really what is what people are asking for because this was a listener request it was a listener request actually multiple listeners yeah i thought you know is is more of what they're asking how to lead up but then i thought no managing is generally considered traditionally at four functions of management so there's planning organizing leading and controlling and controlling Mm. is not the trying to control other people because sometimes we try to control our managers (laughs) Yes, but it's, we, we all have probably tried to do that at one point or another. It's the idea of controlling when things don't happen the way we expect them to, adapting to our circumstances. And when we're not achieving our goals, having contingency plans and things like that. So I think that's kind of a perfect way, a perfect lens of thinking about how to do well, not just with people who officially report to us or our peers, which is a whole different show, but where there's a different power dynamic. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned control because when I was doing research for this episode and looking at some different articles and books, one of the themes that kept coming up was either articles about how a lot of the advice on there on managing up is really manipulation, mm, yeah, and or actually finding advice that was generally manipulation. And so, one of the things that when we put together this episode today of giving you advice that I think. All eight of these things, I would hand these to anyone I was in a relationship with from a management standpoint, and I would be very happy to communicate that I was doing any eight of these things. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything here on this list that I would put into the category of manipulation. Um, Certainly anything we do, if we do it from the wrong perspective, can be manipulation. But if we do it genuinely like this, I think this list is something that just about everybody could agree with, that if you do these eight things, that you are going to have a lot more success of being able to influence people who are managing you. Yeah, and the other thing that we talked about with regards to this list is that not all eight will apply given a particular situation. So we'll talk about yeah. that a little bit as we go along. But while I agree, it's it's not good practice to have you know, man- manipulative techniques that you're adhering to because you're, you're essentially just signing up for, I'm going to set up a non-trust-based relationship with this person. Right. So I totally agree with that. And, and yet, you know, for everyone, I think, gosh, there's going to be circumstances where 
not every one of these is going to work, but certainly great opportunities to try different approaches. Yeah, and these are great places to start. So if you can start here and you're doing many or most of these things well, then the potential you have to build a lot more trust with someone who is managing you and to get buy-in from that person, I think is is pretty good. And so let's take a look at this uh, list, Bonnie, and let's uh, jump right in here on the first one, which is number one advice is when managing up, support your manager publicly. And I'll say that this is, you know, I've found that this is um, something that for me, whenever I've been in a situation where someone has dialogued with me about something they're not happy with about a leader or a manager or someone else in an organization, I think these conversations tend to fall into two buckets, at least has been my experience. One is it's just uh, someone who wants to gossip and wants Mm -hmm. to talk about you know, why they don't like this person or why they don't like this person's style. And then the second one, the second possibility is that it's truly someone who's trying to do some problem solving. They've run into an obstacle with a particular leader or manager, and they're trying to solve a problem. And and I, I try not to, and I would certainly recommend for people to try not to engage in the gossip. It's, it's just so counterproductive to gossip about a leader or a manager. And inevitably, there are there are pieces of that that are going to ultimately come back to that person, particularly if you do it a lot, uh, that is going to destroy any trust that you have when you're trying to manage up. So uh, while this one isn't something directly you would do with your manager, if you're not supporting them publicly on their priorities and the types of things that the decisions they've made, then you really do open yourself up for um, destroying trust with that person. Yeah, and if you're not going to be able to support whatever it is because you have disagreement there, at the very least, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> so yeah. at the very least, I mean, I completely concur with you supporting them, helping them. I, I guess this may fall into one of the categories you're talking about, Dave, of sounding manipulative, but making them look good is something that you hear sometimes when talking about managing up. And that, you know, that may be a little bit manipulative, but certainly helping to provide credibility for the person who you report to on an org chart is going to help establish credibility for your whole department. You're contributing to that by helping that person seem credible in their leadership. You also have that reflected on your department. I love reading about studies about happiness too. And so this comes out in studies about happiness too, is that actually are complaining about our jobs and our work and, you know, our lives and what's going on. They actually, the happiness research has distinguished it this way too, that actually if we're just venting, we're actually better off to just not talk about it, mm. which I'm sort of afraid to tell you this, Dave, because I still sometimes want to vent, <laughs> but I'll call it problem solving all? then. But I mean, yes, but literally, exactly. you know, that, that actually venting doesn't uh, make us any happier. Although there was that study that talked about that if you curse, you actually experience less physical pain. So that's kind of a cool one. So as really? long as you curse when you're venting i think it's probably okay no we is well and we can't for those of you wondering we can't demonstrate cursing for a whole number of reasons one we would lose our uh, clean tag on itunes and two it's just not us and three if you're driving around with kids in your car that wouldn't be probably real appropriate if all of a sudden you and i just busted out and cursing to demonstrate it i will say hear us doing that no i will say one thing here on the problem solving one thing i found that's helpful bonnie is when i get in these situations and i am willing to engage with someone either in a client situation or leadership situation, 
if there's another party that isn't present and that person maybe is trying to do some, but and they're truly trying to do some problem solving and, and it's coming from the right place. They said, how can I make this work? What I will try to do in that situation to support the leader publicly, whoever it is, is to look at things from, try to get both parties looking at things from the other person's perspective. Mm-hmm. So when that person is saying, well, this and this and this, and I'm unhappy about this, I'll say, okay, let's look at it from the this leader's perspective, the person who's leading you. What do you think is causing them to make these decisions? Why do you think that they're making, and you may not agree with them, but what do you think is leading to those actions? And I found that when dialogue like that happens, uh, two things happen. One is it provide some productive dialogue and some actions. But secondly, is I don't need to get into the, okay, you're right, they're wrong type of thing, which just isn't helpful. Yeah. I had a leader in the past where there were some challenges with responsiveness. And so, you know, that came up, (laughs) not getting any kind of response to calls or emails, that sort of thing. Mm. And so, you know, instead of getting into the gossip or the venting, we can kind of change the conversation and the dialogue toward what is the goal. So what was the goal, whether it was someone else trying to get a response or whether it was me trying to get a response? Well, we can sit there and talk about that all day, but it's not very productive. How about what were we looking to get a response on? And then that's to me where you're problem solving Mm -hmm. saying, gosh, you know, are you going to be in any meetings, you know, in the future with them? Or, you know, in this case, I was able to catch the person in a hall and just be able to you know, get some buy-in to something that we needed and, and be able to move it forward. So that's something that I think can be helpful too. Cool. Well, let's look at number two here. Tell your manager what you are planning. Uh, this is something that I probably find frustrates people more so than many other things in interactions with managers is the manager and the person they're managing have some sort of conversation or dialogue up front about a project. The party goes and starts working on it or finishes a project or finishes the work, hands it in or reports it back or briefs the manager, and that isn't at all what the manager expected or wanted. And a lot of times we can prevent that type of thing from happening by keeping the person who's leading us in the loop of what we're doing Um, and just letting them know about what we're planning. Hey, here's what I've thought through. Here's my action items going forward. What do you think? And just doing that, you know, five or 10 minute kind of check-in a lot of times can prevent the two to three weeks of work or progress on something which ultimately isn't aligned with the objectives that the manager wanted. Yeah, I've had, I've worked in situations before where a manager was very concerned about what meetings, it was at a large, large institution. And so, I mean, gosh, the politics are crazy anywhere like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wherever you go, there you are. But, but so I remember, you know, she was always really sensitive about who the different people in our departments were going to be meeting with. And that was a little bit frustrating because I wasn't accustomed to having that level of focus on, you know, down to the level of meetings and who, who that, but boy, I learned that. Mm-hmm. And so it would be that, you know, and, and there was kind of this initially this feeling of control and I'm not sure I handled it well in the beginning, but after I kind of get over it, well, you know what? So, Cause to me, I like to label it and that's not always really healthy. So to me, it was an ego thing. Oh, you just want to be there because you want to get the limelight. And so, you know, me framing it that way is not going to be really helpful mm-hmm. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. because then you just locked it into I'm right and you're wrong and you know, that kind of thing. And then I think as I was able to see, you know, it is difficult to be a senior leader at a large institution like that. 
And it's not like, you know, any losses that go on can just be quickly tucked under the cover. I mean, these are things that show up in the news. You know, we'll read about this institution pretty regularly here in the news. And so I think I didn't fully appreciate the stress that that would cause and the level of scrutiny that smart, intelligent leaders who have worked in an environment like that have Mm. done over their years. They figured it out not to let things like that happen where it could potentially hit the news or, you know, get, get elevated to the level of, you know, even above the, the executive level to a board, for example. Yeah. And I, and I should emphasize, this doesn't have to be anything grandiose or big or setting big meetings as far as keeping people in the loop or what you're planning or doing. I've had many times in my career where I've been working with a leader and I've just left a brief voicemail or I've sent an email and said, here's what's going mm-hmm. on. You don't even need to respond unless you have comments or questions. Just want to keep you in the loop. And I've had many times where people have come back and said, oh, I really appreciated that. You know, Even though I didn't respond or I knew where kind of where things were going along the way. Um, And I think in particular, this is really helpful if the task or the project or whatever you um, want or or, or expect to do from the manager is not clear up front. Yes, yes. And so if it hasn't been clear or if you've gotten burned in the past, um, you know, in this particular relationship where you thought something was very clear, they clearly communicated and it turned out they had something very different in their minds. That's where this, this uh, I think this principle is really helpful of keeping someone in the loop about what's going on and what you're doing and what you're planning. Um, you know, five minutes can save you weeks of work. Yes. And another thing around that planning process, I, I mean, I think both are great. I think Dave, in terms of emphasizing the just heads up quick, not anything formal, all the way to we all can always be benefiting by getting better at our project management skills. Mm -hmm. And to me, a big part of that in my career has been not just the step-by-step, although step-by-step is really important to think about sequentially, how does this happen? What kind of resources is it going to take? But also getting really good at doing stakeholder interviews. And stakeholders are anyone who has a stake in the outcome of whatever it is you're working on. So this could be your customers. This could be your manager. This could be other managers who are at your manager's level. So in that case, you're kind of perhaps looking like you may be stepping on things. But if you're open and talk about it in advance, that kind of stakeholder input, when you've done the rigorous work around that can be so powerful and can help even more make your manager look very credible and also make your department look like and actually make a difference in the organization and be providing the kind of value I think we all want to have in our organizations. And so that actually is going to lead to one of our later uh, topics here, but let's first jump to number three, which is avoid surprises. You don't like surprises very much, Bonnie. I'm not a big fan, no. No, and most managers are not fans of surprises either, even if they like surprises in their personal life. Communicating things immediately is a really good practice to get in if you want to build trust and manage up. And one of the rules I've had for myself over the years, and and Bonnie, this is one I've struggled with because uh, I think you know, my first inclination when something goes wrong, it's especially earlier in my career was, okay, how can I fix this or make this to be like not a big deal? And I've learned uh, sometimes the hard way over the years that when something isn't going right, that yeah, sometimes it makes sense to take a few minutes or, or a few hours to kind of think about what's the best way to respond, but to get people in the loop as soon as possible, that it's always better. I shouldn't say always, but it's almost always better 
that someone knows something in advance. And if it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal. But then trying to um, you know, have something get covered up or not talked about, and then someone to find out about it later, not good. Not a good way to earn trust. I remember that back when the September 11th attacks happened, as people might remember, the travel industry just plummeted, mm-hmm. as did so many other industries. I mean, that we really had not just grieving as a country over the losses of lives. Also, there were economic challenges that that came after those attacks. And so we had, I worked for an organization that had an annual conference every year. And so if you've worked with hotels before, you know that you have to go in and reserve a block of rooms and you're contractually bound then to those rooms. And if those people don't show up, Mm. you're on the hook to pay the difference between the people who sign up for those blocks of rooms and the extra ones that you now don't need. Well, that's the situation we found ourselves in incredibly compounded. I can't remember now the specifics, but something like, you know, half or 40% of the rooms were actually what we needed. And Mm. I remember going in this case, it wasn't, I didn't go. I mean, yes, I told my manager about it, but this was actually the president and CEO of the company that we sat down and it was really, cause this was so scary. And I, I was really frightened by the situation. I'd never had anything like this where I was going to be, you know, ultimately having that kind of a loss on my PL. I'd never seen anything like that. I was really good at managing a PL. And mm-hmm. so this was, you know, frightening to me. And then the person who was my events manager, it was also, you know, scary for her too. And so yeah. I remember it was wonderful because by not surprising him, not only was he aware of it from a financial perspective, because, you know, it had the potential to affect the company's overall bottom line, but he also helped us problem solve. Mm. And so by getting him involved earlier, it was so great. He started out with, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? Let's talk about that. And then I went, wow, that's the worst thing that can happen. We're going to make it through this. And so we never really make great decisions when we're operating out of fear. And so there's something in our brain called an amygdala. And the amygdala is what happens. It's that flight or fight response. Mm -hmm. And so when we're processing things out of fear, we're not really tapping into our ultimate abilities to conceptualize and think creatively and problem solve. And so it was so nice to have him free me up with that and be able to think and problem solve. And then he had so many great ideas. And the long story short is it had a happy ending. So oh, good, good. Well, it, and I think this is hard because sometimes people have bad experiences with this. And in particular, if you work for the shoot the messenger type where, um, and I've had this happen in my career, right? I think I can think of someone in particular where whenever I would bring her information that I thought was really helpful and I wanted to cut things off from not being a surprise, um, she her first even though she wasn't truly upset at me her first response was almost always to um get very defensive and uh combative with whatever it was that was not going on right and unfortunately a lot of managers um can teach people that not to tell them bad news as a result of that so if you work for someone who is the shoot the messenger type where they tend to respond really poorly to bad news in the moment. Um, that's something just to keep in mind. And But I would also say is don't let that stop you. Because um, over time, if you are someone that builds a reputation 
of someone who will come with information good and bad and be open and transparent about that, that that person will probably trust you more than a lot of the other people in their organization. We've got number four now, which is one you hear often, but you can't hear enough. Come to the table with solutions. Yeah, this is something that, and and, and actually this is also, uh, be careful with number three and number four together is, um, you know, come with solutions. Don't just come with the problem. Mm -hmm. So yes, don't avoid surprises by all means, but also come to the table with a solution, having thought through, even if you don't have the ch- a chance to have thought through the entire solution, at least thought have thought through what are the first two or three actions that you're going to take given the situation that's happened. And um, you know, the last thing that your manager wants is more problems. That what they are paying you for is to come to the table with solutions. How are you going to use your creative energy, your knowledge, your resources that you've been empowered with to solve the problem? And this is something I think almost all of us, if we really check ourselves before we go into a meeting with a manager, is to really think, am I truly coming to the table with a solution or am I just here to talk about what the issues are? And if it's the latter, we really do should step back and think clearly about what is a solution to this problem. Yeah, I think number three and number four definitely tie together. And I loved what the way that you phrased that too, Dave, because you're coming with solutions that you are going to implement. Not, you know, this right. is not a way of because not they not only do they want to hear about a problem that they can't do anything about, but they don't want you to to add to their laundry list of things to do. So be prepared to take some initiative too. That can go a long way in building your credibility and visibility within an organization. Yeah, we need to own stuff. If there's problems, you know, that's what we get paid to do. And, you know, if uh, I love the quote that ships aren't, uh, captains of ships aren't hired for the good weather. They're hip, they're hired for the days of the storms because anyone can pilot a ship during good weather. Mm-hmm. So same thing with leadership and good management and your job. You know, there are probably days that people, there are other people who could do your job when it's easy. You're paid for the tough decisions. You're paid for coming to the table with solutions. So that's the first thing to be thinking whenever something does get tough is how can I resolve this? Now, you may dialogue with your manager then about what are some different ways to look at the solution, and they may have different suggestions or they may have a different uh, idea of where to go, but at least come to the table with preparing to move forward with action. Number five, we have connect requests to their priorities. And this gets back to ultimately what's the organization there to do and what is the manager there to do. And most managers care about impact and sustainability. And there's a whole bunch of different words you could use for this. But at the end of the day, it says the organization doing what it is supposed to be doing. So is what you're trying to manage up or get buy-in for, is that ultimately connect with the organization's mission, objectives, what it's supposed to be doing in the world? And then does this thing you're recommending, whatever it is, does that either going to help the organization to build revenue or reduce cost? And ideally, you would do both of those things at the same time. But at the very least, you want to be making recommendations and managing up on things that are going to help to you know, get the organization in a better position financially, but also ensure that it's in alignment with what the organization is supposed to be doing in the world. This can be a good thing too, if they come to you with requests and you're overwhelmed and there's, you know, already your resource limited, 
then instead of being a person who's known for saying no, you can be a person who, you know, it can be, you're, you are negotiating at this point. And so mm-hmm. they may not always like that initially because, you know, they may just enjoy hearing the yeses and you figure it out, but you don't want to set yourself up for failure yeah. to not be able to truly execute on the plans that they're asking you to deliver on. So in this case, you can say, gosh, we're, you know, the team's working on this, this, and this. And so can you help me see maybe how this fits? I just want to make sure before I, you know, start, is this something that we should halt these other things on? Or is it something that, you know, once we've launched and then we have a little bit of a delay after we can, we can begin and that'll really help them catch sight. And that's back to as well. If you're a good person who plans well, you've got those resources kind of allocated. You can do that. And I like to have things that are visual for some leaders who are more big picture, which a lot of leaders are to be able to see, you know, these are the kind of time frames that, you know, things are happening and that really helps them kind of for themselves really assess it better if they haven't thought it through. And someone who is in a management role and has, you know, is at least doing a mediocre job in their role is hopefully going to have priorities of what's important to them. And so one of the things that we should always be thinking of anytime we come to a manager asking for something is how does this thing that I'm asking for, this initiative, this product, whatever it is that I want to move forward on, how does that connect with that person's goals? Is it in alignment with them? And if that manager hasn't made their goals clear, you know, there's a couple of ways to do that. One is to, you know, make an educated guess. I mean, there are ways to figure out what's important to people if they haven't made it specifically clear. And one of the best things I find, and you've taught me this years ago, Bonnie, is look at where people spend their time and their money of figuring out what's important to them. And I think the the very same thing is true in management is figure out where your manager's focusing their time and their resources right now. What are they allocating budget to? Most likely, those are the things that are most important to them. And those are the things that are their priorities. And you want to make sure that if you're making requests, that they're going to be very much in alignment with those priorities. Of course, number six, we want to be spending our time thinking about those things that our boss won't. Yeah. And I actually had something happen to me years ago, early in my career, where um, I had been asked to do this big financial reconciliation project. And I remember it was you know one of those things that was going to take days to do. And so I went through and did all these things and, and analysis. And I remember I did this whole like color-coded chart on this financial analysis for this organization I was working with. And I presented it back to the management team. And this one manager in particular was kind of our senior manager, was just unbelievably impressed with the colors and the analysis and all this work I had done. It had been this ongoing problem for like, you know, a, six months a year and, uh, and was able to really see, uh, the value that was, that was there. And it was funny. Cause I remember thinking at the time, I, I, I couldn't understand why she was so impressed with it. I was like, well, anyone who was doing this reconciliation would have done this, would have gone through the colors and the charts and all that. But what I realized in the long run is that she didn't have that skill. She didn't have that ability to look at something objectively and just to, and to organize. She had great skills in other areas, but because I brought that skill to the table, that helped to really build a lot of trust and engagement between the two of us. And prior to that, I didn't have the best relationship with that manager. I didn't have a bad relationship. I just, just didn't know that person very well. But after that, it was like I could do nothing wrong as an employee. And so um, one of the things is to think through what are some of the strengths that you bring naturally 
that your manager may not be considering and to bring that to your solution, to bring that to your conversation, to bring that to your work. And if you can show that and demonstrate that, you're adding a lot of value to them. And good managers will recognize that. Good managers want you to bring things to the table that they're not going to see because that helps them to overcome their blind spots too. Number seven, don't go over their head. Yeah, we were talking about this before we started recording, and there are some exceptions to this rule, of course, and uh, and I think, Bonnie, you'll mention a few of them, but generally speaking, uh, think about how if you've ever been in a leadership role and someone's uh, you know been in a leadership role above you and, and someone you were leading went above them, I know that's happened to me in situations in leadership before, it really does break a lot of trust. If you are reporting to someone and they're the person that's making decisions and you try to influence them by going above them, most people are going to respond very poorly to that. And at the very least, it is going to limit the amount of trust you have with that person and your ability to influence them in the future. The reason people do it, of course, is because it works. Uh, Sometimes it will get you the result you want in the short term, but long term, it creates a situation where it's a little more difficult to be able to influence that person. But of course, there's some exceptions to this too. Yeah, I was going to quick mention I had a manager who was so wonderful. And it this was not a situation of people going over someone's head, but it was a situation where people would come in to speak with him about conflict that they actually had with someone else. Uh, and so he would train everyone not to do that because he'd go, oh, let's go ahead and get that person on the phone and get them in here. And all of a sudden, the people who wanted to go in and complain didn't want to do that anymore because if they were going to complain, they were going to get to have that conflict that they were so trying to avoid. Right, right. And so, you know, the hope is that whoever it was that someone might feel tempted to go over the head, as you said, it wouldn't work. Hopefully an organization based on trust is going to understand that that hierarchy can be really helpful in terms of communication and facilitating an effective use of resources and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's not going to pay off. And, and recognize, yes, I mentioned that there will be exceptions. So there are such a thing as whistleblowers, for example, if something's going on that, I mean, you just have a moral duty to make someone aware of, and perhaps your manager is somehow involved in that, you know, and you, and you have to keep them out of the loop. Recognize when you do it, the severity of the action that you're taking and recognize you could be putting everything on the line. Yeah. This yeah. could mean the loss of your job. Yeah, it can. And that's why this is something that, depending on your manager and the relationship, is really something to give some thought to if you are going to do that. But at the very least, this should be something that's done very rarely and really thought through in advance if you do feel that you need to do that. Certainly, things that come up legally or ethically can can fall in that category, but be very careful when you make that decision. Yeah, I can I can recall a time some long time ago that that I, I did I did break this this rule slash guideline and and just had to make sure that they were aware of some mm-hmm. things that were happening. And I was very professional, did not tell a lot of stories or vent, and it was just one of those just just needed to make sure that they were aware because I thought if it there was going to be an a situation where an outside agency was going to come in and audit and in in certain areas, and I thought, if you haven't, if you ha- just allow this to happen through omission, then you're just as guilty as you know potentially people who are contributing to that risk at the company. So, so yeah, but but recognize it's a dangerous game we're playing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So number eight, get advice from others you trust. 
This is really a good strategy to utilize, particularly when you are maybe in a situation where you're being led by someone who's in a new role or someone you haven't worked with, or maybe you're in a new role for the first time. Um, It's always helpful, I think, to get advice and suggestions from others who maybe know that leader better than you do and can advise you on what are the things that are important to them, what kind of, how do they like to have proposals brought to them, what kind of, what's their personality like. Um, I know that's been very, very helpful for me in situations, particularly when I've gone in and spoken with clients and I'm going into a meeting with someone new and I know other people in the organization who, you know, care about that same issue, care about that wanting to be supported. And so we'll have some dialogue about, you know, what's the best way to position to this person, not in a negative way, not in a critical way at all, but just a, just an information gathering of how can I best support this, this initiative and can best connect with that person. In closing, one of the things we want to recognize is we're not always going to get what we want. And sometimes that's actually a good thing. Yeah, because curiously, people who are in the management leadership roles are there for a reason. Now, that's not to say everyone's always perfect in their roles, but a lot of times they do have more experience than us if they're leading us. They have sometimes a perspective that we don't have, and we won't always be successful at managing up. And that's just the nature of you know, human behavior and the business world and organizational world. And that's a good thing sometimes. Often, you know, it will be a great learning lesson when we pitch something new and we don't have someone buy into it for whatever reason. Uh, usually there's an opportunity to learn from that or learn something more about the organization or the business or the industry that we didn't already know. So use that as an opportunity for learning. And then, yeah, go ahead. One of the things that has helped me is not to elevate a manager up to someone who's supposed to be perfect Mm. and not to label them in a real derogatory way that they remain fixed. You know, it's, they're human. Yeah. Yeah. The org chart says that this person has more power than the people who are under them on the org chart. Aren't org charts fun? Mm. (laughs) And so, you know, neither way is helpful. But what can be helpful is to tap into the part inside you that says, I care about this company's mission. I care about what they contribute in this world. I care about my own individual contribution to that. And the fact of the matter is I can't do this alone, nor should I. I, You know, that would be really prideful to decide, you know, you're the one, the only one who can save the company or, you know, make this better. And so that's a real egotistical way to frame things. So if you can be regularly tapping into that sense of mission, the sense of purpose, and the fact that this is someone who's engaged in leading toward that end as well, and know they're not perfect and neither are you. I mean, just what a wonderful place to be. And if there's anyone listening who can't tap into that at all, and you can't have that sense of meaning about your company or its contribution, then boy, is that ever some soul searching to do to really try to decide, is this going to be something that you feel like you can leave a legacy in, in the long run? And I know that that's idealistic to me. We all go through seasons, times in our life where, Hey, got to pay the bills. But boy, if your time of your life has turned into 10 years and then into 20 years, then that's a really a disappointing way to live. And, and you think about most of us spend more time working than we do doing anything else in life. Yeah. And managing up ultimately sometimes is about managing ourselves. And so uh, we want to be patient and we want to be um, certainly flexible with the people who manage us in our lives. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if it's not working and the connection isn't there, 
sometimes that means we need to manage ourselves and make choices to move on to a new organization or a new opportunity. And ultimately, if we are willing to look at ourselves too in this process, then we can manage up and influence people a lot more effectively. And don't get discouraged if you don't see people playing by these same rules. Uh, I know people break these rules all the time, but you can do amazing things if you do these eight things with some consistency. I had a great example this week of just being able to manage up and do some things that will really change people's lives in an organization that we partner with. And I'm really excited about that. And so, um, so yes, sometimes these poor, poor practices will work in the short term, but in the long run, uh, don't get discouraged. There's a lot that you can do to influence good in the world if you can do these eight things. And of course, we're wondering what you might do. So uh, if you've been uh, thinking what you could do as you're listening to these eight things, we'd love to know what you're going to do. And the best way to do that is to go on the Coaching for Leaders website. Go to coachingforleaders.com forward slash the number 64, and you will see the notes of these eight on the page there. And that's a great way to let us know what you're planning to do and how you're planning to implement some of these. Or other ideas that you have that you've done in the past that have worked really well. I'm sure we only skimmed the surface. We did, but it's a great place to start and it's a great way to begin to think about how we can influence the world. If you and your manager agree on everything, the old cliche, one of you is unnecessary. So we should be challenging with new ideas, new ways of thinking. Sometimes it people things are going to go our way. Sometimes they're not. But the effective dialogue is going to help us build trust, influence people, and ultimately be able to do greater things for our organization. Bonnie, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Dave. You heard the website address a moment ago. You can also call in any comments, questions, or feedback to our listener hotline, 949-38-LEARN, or email to feedback at coachingforleaders.com. You may remember Bonnie mentioning this was a listener request for this topic of the episode. And so if you have additional topics that you'd like to hear us cover and uh, more perspective you'd like on a particular aspect of leadership, we are here to do that. So send me an email or hop on our Facebook page anytime and make a suggestion and we will do our best to incorporate it in an upcoming episode. And one announcement this week about the newsletter, the Coaching for Leaders newsletter. If you are on our list already, thank you so much. And if you are on our list, you received a article this week from me on how to avoid mistakes when rolling out something new. And I have decided to start making the newsletter a little more frequent. Originally, when I had announced it, I had mentioned we'd probably send out a newsletter once or twice a month. I've decided to move that up to about once a week. So you will be seeing a newsletter once a week uh, from here on out for those of you who were uh, have subscribed. And it's really less of a newsletter and more of a article or a snippet or something that'll be valuable to you to assist you in your leadership skills this week. So if that is of interest to you, go over to coachingforleaders.com forward slash subscribe and you will get that weekly. We're shooting for Wednesdays to get that out. So uh, watch for that in your email inbox. And if you're already receiving it, uh, always open any comments, questions, suggestions you have on the articles each week and feel free to join the conversation when you get that. There's always a link there to jump in and join the conversation and to continue the dialogue about what we're discussing 
on those articles. Hey, thanks for those of you who hopped on our Facebook page and liked it this week. That is Tor Stenbachen and Jonathan Dean. Thank you for jumping in and joining the conversation. And I'm doing a monthly series on Facebook right now of things I'm grateful for. Hey, it's Thanksgiving month here in the States, so I'm posting things that I'm grateful for on our Facebook site. You've seen that there if you already liked it. So feel free to hop on our Facebook site, coachingforleaders.com forward slash Facebook. Hey, the link for the show notes is on our website as always, coachingforleaders.com forward slash 64. This show airs every single Monday and wherever you are in the world, whatever's on your agenda today. Take one idea from this show to engage and develop someone you lead. Have a great week, everyone, and happy Thanksgiving to those of you here in the States. Take care and see you in a week.